you're listening to Contesting Wrestling. My name is Evan Burke, and I don't care for wrestling. Already, if you're confused if this is the first episode you're listening to, uh, as people often are when they try to engage me about wrestling. They're like, I heard you have a wrestling podcast. I'm like, I, I do. They're like, did you watch wrestling this week? I'm like, I didn't. I don't care for wrestling. And they're like, why do you have a wrestling podcast then? And I'm like, well, now I, we have to get into it. Now it's going to be a whole thing. But one thing that... Um, so not liking wrestling is something that I have in common with most people. And <laughs> that's a thing that apparently like 50% of adults, according to recent polls have never watched wrestling, have never like, watched wrestling. And then, and then, and then like another 48% have watched it and are like, no, thank you. Well, most Bullshit. of those people watched it as kids and don't right. watch it anymore. And then like okay. 20 to 30% of that original 50%. Right. Uh, still watch. Uh, to, to be fair, I know the polls Ben are referring to, and about 10 to 15% of those people don't know if they've ever seen wrestling. So that's about as good as an individual poll is. I think that means they blocked it out. I mean, if you've seen wrestling, still don't, isn't the whole point that you still don't know if you've seen wrestling or not, right? <laughs> that's right. kind of the thing. I think I the mean, WWE so, would like that. Now, now it's the a point... big part of this podcast that people don't actually know what wrestling is when they see it. So... I, you know, I, I dragged my friends along uh, with me into podcast land here because the, the three people whom I co-host this with are all huge wrestling fans. Love it as much as a person can love a thing. And I, and that's just hard for me to square, right? You know, that's like, so, sometimes you have a friend that you really love who seems like an, an interesting in, you know, intelligent, compassionate, who is a person, not just seems like, is, genuinely is those things. And then you're like, well, what's your favorite movie? And then they're, and even though I don't believe that personal taste necessarily corresponds to, like, your, you know, real beliefs or values as a person or something like that. Like, if somebody was just like, oh, my one, my absolute favorite movie of all time is, uh... Uh, like, uh, what was it, Down the River or whatever, the movie with Matthew Lillard and Seth Green from uh, Without a Paddle, that movie. Without That's a the Paddle. Movie I'm thinking. If somebody was like, both of their with, lowest moments, Without a really. Paddle is better than fucking Citizen Kane, better than than Star Wars, better than any, any other. You would be like, we need to work this out. You would be I need to. I need to, no pun intended, square this circle. I don't think that's the expression. The world but is square. It works. Yeah. And so that's that's what we're doing here. So is, is, is trying to understand what's good. Now, I will definitely say if you are trying to get somebody like me into wrestling, if you are somebody who is like one of my co-hosts, who I will eventually allow themselves to introduce themselves, right if you are one of them and you are trying to get somebody like me into wrestling, a great way to do it would be to show them a series of matches starring the late great Eddie Guerrero. But before we get into those, let's let's round let's round out this introductory phase. Well, my name is Doc Diamondfire. I've been in wrestling for about a dozen years. I've done a little bit of everything. I've done a ring announcing, commentary, wrestling, all kinds of stuff backstage, in front of the camera, etc. You name it. Um, I have been watching wrestling since 1992 uh, consistently, and I've I've seen. 
a lot of it. Um, I'm not even sure if I've seen as much as uh, as one of my other co-hosts here, uh, who uh, who watches a tremendous amount of wrestling, and at times I'm jealous with as much as he could consume. Uh, so, Professor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am Dr. Ben Abelson, Professor of Philosophy at Mercy College, and a person who loves the thing that is pro wrestling, and certainly does consume quite a lot of it. And last but not least, it is me, Katie Vela. I am also in love with pro wrestling, much to my own detriment. Uh, I've been watching wrestling since 2003, the worst year to start watching pro wrestling in the history of wrestling. Uh, I've been in the wrestling business since 2014, and I've been refing three years since 2017, three years next month. And without further ado, we continue our journey in making... Evan love Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, we, we are we are going to be looking at latter day Eddie Guerrero here. His uh, his 2015 heel turn. His uh, uh, tw- 2005. I'm sorry, time is a meaningless circle. His, his 2005 his title reign and heel turn. Just Nothing just matters. fantastic. 2004 title reign. 2005 heel turn. I've been watching wrestling since 1992, folks. Thank you, Ben. Now, all right. So this episode. This episode is actually going to do two things. The first thing is we're going to continue our examination of Eddie Guerrero and we're going to and and talk about why why he's great, talk about maybe some of the things I've learned about wrestling while we're watching. But th- th- this episode brought watching the matches for this kind of brought something else into sharp relief for me. And I in the spirit of wrestling am going to take Something that really is like a backstage issue that we were going that I was going to bring up when we have our business meeting after we're done recording, and I'm going to bring it up on air to make it both interesting radio and an interesting show. We have which business is that, meetings, and that I get this if you it's a loose if you loosely want to use that term to describe when we figure out our schedules after we record. I'm so we're we've been doing this a year now, right? We've been doing this a while. Yeah, and I am kind of running out of shit to say about a lot of matches. Now today was really interesting because it's everything that I watched for today started off with a match that I was like, I gotta, I'm gonna have to fucking tell the guys I can't do this podcast anymore because I, I'm, I'm dry. I have, I have nothing. I, I, I can't. Even though I'm somebody who for better or for worse, can kind of just make shit up and as I go and, like, say... Th- and then eventually it kind of turns interesting. Like, I'm run- I'm just running out. Like, I'm watching this match, the first match we're doing, which is uh, uh, Brock versus Eddie, and uh, it's... Yeah. You say oh, you're dry, Evan. You know they have special creams for that. I Look, I am beslathered round the clock... But this is a metaphorical dryness. So unless you can send me to some sort of a metaphorical dermatologist, it's not going to help. I I kind of anticipated something like this from you, Evan, because of that first match in particular between Brock Lesnar and Eddie Guerrero for the WWE title at uh, No Way Out 2004. Um, one, because it was a Brock Lesnar match. Yes. And we already know how you feel about Brock Lesnar matches. And this one, I and we'll get into the specifics uh, in a little bit. This one, I thought, is more interesting than your typical Brock Lesnar match. I agree, absolutely. And yet, 
I was thinking as I was watching the matches, like Evan is getting is going to get a sense by now for how wrestling matches work for the sort of general patterns that they fall into. And I worried as I was watching it, you know, maybe he's he's the it's it's going to it's losing its luster. We you know me so well, dude. It's amazing. (laughs) I and because because here's the problem, because then. You know, I like I watched this. Then I watched. I, I I would say my real low point, and we'll get into the matches in detail later. But like my a real low point came watching the Eddie Kurt Angle match, where I was like, these are two wrestlers that I love, that like I've watched all their stuff, and it's thought it was really great. And I have nothing to say about like I'm like, oh, I can be like, oh, this part was good. Oh, it was cool. Then day. Oh, it's interesting because they have a contrast of styles, like the same shit that I've been saying. Every fucking We match. need to get back to showing you bad stuff. In all fairness, I kind of had the same feeling watching that batch, match, that that specific match. Like I'm like, this is very incredibly uh, incredible on a technical level. Level, but I have nothing like of a note to go into. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I have not a ton in my notes, not a ton to say about the actual match. I have a lot to say about the stories leading into it. Yeah, um, into, yeah. Into all of these matches. A lot more about the stories than the matches themselves. We need to show Evan more bad stuff. Might I suggest the 2004 Diva Search? I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the answer to my frustration. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it, it'll be really entertaining. <laughs> that's all right. There is that. Because here, here's here's what I, it is. I don't want to be intellectually dishonest, right? I don't want to be artistically dishonest. And I there is now a concern that. I, I, I have developed an opinion of wrestling that I don't know how much more it's going to develop. Like, I don't like I like like if I, I could have a conversation with somebody about wrestling, I could explain why I do think it's like why people kind of sh- shit on it. And, and, and perhaps they shouldn't. I, I can, ex- you know, express my process or talk about my process of learning what made it interesting. But I also just. I feel cognizant of the fact that if this podcast ended tomorrow, I don't know if I would ever watch or think about wrestling again. You would have trouble not considering how much we've damaged well, you. Obviously. Well, that was the prop. That was the hallmark of our friendships for many years. Now, the, the last act of, of today right. certainly is, is I, I would I would guess a high point of wrestling storytelling throughout the last 100 years of wrestling. And sh- I certainly have more things to say about it. I certainly I certainly perked up when we were doing it. but like I'm gonna guess that there are not a ton of there are not a ton of moments like this throughout the history of wrestling, right? Not a ton. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think what I'll say to your to your general concern here is, um, like I was saying, and, and Katie was saying, that, you know, we don't have a ton to say about these, like, specific matches necessarily outside of the stories that lead into them, the characters, how those characters developed because of the matches and things like that. I think for you and the way I, I see the mission of the podcast going forward, now that you sort of have come to understand what wrestling is and how it works, is just to see you react to the variety of characters and storylines that you haven't seen yet and that we can still teach you about. 
Because I don't um, want to stop doing this. I like doing this. I like that we ha- our small community of fans that we have built seem to largely be lovely people that I enjoy interacting with. I love you guys. I just don't want to. I just don't want to lie. I just don't want to lie to the people. You know, well, I'm not a wrestler in that sense. Uh, let me let me let me put it uh, to you this way, Evan. If if you if you don't want to stop doing this, and that's great because we don't want to stop you doing this. I don't necessarily think you see the worth in certain little things. Like when we watched Eddie Guerrero versus Ric Flair and and you said something like that, that time Flair like fell on his face like that to the wrestling fan listener is pure gold because every wrestling fan knows that spot and every wrestling fan is thrilled that somebody who hasn't seen it before thinks it's really notable because Ric Flair did it in every match for 30 years. Jesus. But yeah, just stuff like that. You, you bring a lot to the table just by reacting to stuff like that. Even if it's not the eternal struggle, it wasn't going to be the struggle forever. I mean, you've seen a lot of wrestling by now. Um, and that's my take also, on that. Also, we're going to have a lot more guests uh, as this goes along. And seeing you interact with those guests and hearing their perspectives and how they, they might conflict with or confirm things that you think um going also in our business meeting later i was going to suggest us um doing an episode with a friend of mine who is uh, doing doing one of our film episodes for the premium with a friend of mine who is also not a wrestling fan and doesn't know anything about wrestling and seeing how you know that interaction might go so i I think we still have plenty of ground to cover uh it's it's but it's not going to be the same kind of like 101 education that it was to this point that's that's good to hear and i also i i'm doing this in part because like you know as i'm editing the episodes and stuff like i guess i i wanted to say to our listeners too like i know that i've been kind of repeating myself a lot like lately because i find myself I, I don't want I don't want to just come in and be like ah fuck this or be like ah I was bored like I of course I I want to bring something constructive and interesting to the table and after a while like yeah I start like I I, I felt like there are only so many times I can be like it's cool because they have two different ways of wrestling also it sort of reminds me of a thing I studied in college like and I feel like that's just all I'm doing um, I so, mean yeah, to so- be fair Evan you did sign the blood contract though. There was a whole ritual yes. and everything. No, and 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 the collector comes at night to, to take a part of my soul <laughs> each each evening, as as stipulated in the contract, and I have to keep doing this. Like I I, I know that I, mean, I get that. A lot of the things that I like hearing from you, especially, um, are and what I'm sort of uh, hoping to hear from you in this episode, for instance, is just like seeing Eddie Guerrero do his thing, and you know look at him from the perspective of someone who understands TV and film and, and it's like, Oh, he's doing this kind of acting. You know what I I mean? And he's doing this thing that wrestling fans might not have the touch tones to describe for themselves. And you know, that is actually, that is interesting that that there's a good point that you bring up there. Cause I did have the thought while we were watching this, that there is this Eddie Guerrero of every wrestler that I have seen so far is the best at this weird kind of thing that I guess is acting, right? It's not something I <laughs> something don't like that. Yeah. I don't know if you could have put him on a TV show. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it would like work in that sense, but at, at the same time, he's way, way, way better at it than the overwhelming majority 
of wrestlers I have ever seen. In in his ability to, uh, yeah, like play a, do do acting basically, like to play a character and inhabit a role and express things with his face and his body, which I know. If you describe acting and wrestling, there's it can sound almost exactly the same, but they're obviously radically different. Uh, and also, I just as a side note, he really, really does sound like, like, um, like the like the Mexican Roddy Piper a little bit. Yeah, like, he, the he more, really uh, does, yeah. Since you said that, like, especially here late in his career, he sounds a lot like Roddy Piper. Yeah. In these last promos, his delivery, just the way you, you can tell, he adds words here and there, just just to. Uh, to flare it up a bit. Yeah, very Piper. And uh, I was watching it with our friend Charlie, and he compared him to Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. I could totally see it. Where it's, like, uncomfortable to hear him talk. <laughs> right, especially when he's a heel. As he becomes more and more of a heel, he just, like, his voice gets gravelly in a really um, irritating kind of way, and he's, like, constantly going into that high register that's unnatural for his voice, and he knows it, and he knows that it's making the people annoyed with him and angry at him, and that's really the thing that he is so fucking gifted at is controlling the audience, making them either love or hate him with an expression, with just, you know, just by looking at the camera in the right way. He conveys a multiplicity of emotions that you feel very viscerally. And we'll get into the specifics of that, particularly with the, the later part of this of this story for today. But, Katie? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, sometimes he doesn't even need to talk Right, he exactly. doesn't need oh. to use words. I, 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 like, I can't really think of anybody that I have seen so far who I, who could pull that off. That Only blew Eddie, all of man. our minds when it happened. Yeah. And Only Eddie, it. holy I, shit! I haven't that, seen it since it happened, but it blew my mind again. That, yes, that blew my that blew my fucking sixteen year old mind. Uh, well, a little spoiler that that's the the Eddie Guerrero silent promo from the May nineteenth, two thousand five SmackDown. May, we'll May talk what? About it in detail. May what? May nineteenth. <laughs> All right, let's so let, right. so let's dive in. Let's dive into the matches. Okay, so he, I I have a big story to tell for this episode because these matches and this period in wrestling history have a ton of personal emotional significance for myself. Same, I know yeah. For Doc as well and Katie as well. This is I was still I was only like two years into watching wrestling. All this shit was still like really heavy emotional shit for me. All the, while I was not watching wrestling at the time, uh, 2004 to like 2006 was the darkest period of my life, too. So I think <laughs> okay. it was just like, yeah. So, all right. So January 2004, Chris Benoit wins the fucking Royal Rumble. And we're all like, holy shit, they're actually giving it to Benoit. They're actually going with Benoit. We had been fans of his for over a decade um, he was one of these guys who we thought was never going to get his due. He wins the Royal Rumble and we're like, all right, he's going to go on to WrestleMania to wrestle Brock Lesnar and maybe he'll beat him for the title at WrestleMania. Because at that point, if a SmackDown guy won the Royal Rumble, he'd challenge the SmackDown world champion. If a Raw guy won, he'd challenge the Raw world champion. 
But then, well, hold on. I'd like to like to place Brock for a second here in that because it yeah. means something different than it does now. Now, Brock, as soon as he debuted, was big final boss, of course. But he wasn't like the the decades tenured. You're clearly not getting past him, Brock Lesnar. Um, if you heard here that they would do. Uh, Benoit versus Lesnar, there was a pretty good chance you'd think Benoit would win because of his he tenure. He almost beat him on SmackDown one week, but right. Paul Heyman cheated. To, I, yeah, I kind of vaguely that. remember that, yeah. As opposed yeah, so, to today, where Lesnar comes out and like you're surprised if anybody lasts five minutes with him, let alone somebody right. beats him. Like That's a whole so, different story. So the night after the Royal Rumble, Benoit shows up on Raw as a total surprise and instead challenges Triple H for the world title. Just want to put into context here about you said Brock Lesnar and the way Brock Lesnar at the time, it was more believable that Benoit would beat Brock Lesnar than Benoit beating Triple H. So when Absolutely. Benoit showed up at yeah. Raw, it's like, I'm going to fight Triple H. We were all like, God damn it. <laughs> the segment on Raw was Triple H was face to face with Shawn Michaels and they were like, we're going to do this one more time at WrestleMania. And then Benoit comes out and is just like, nah. Now I'm here now. Also, it was more realistic to think that Benoit would beat Brock Lesnar than to think Eddie Guerrero would beat Brock well, Lesnar. Well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Okay, okay. And just yeah, to, yeah. just just to preface this all, I'm I do know we put a disclaimer in the last episode. But this is us like describing our feelings at the time. Yes. Like Benoit it became a monster that killed, you y'all know. But like this, we have to put into context that this is how we felt at the time, you know. This is part of why the whole thing is so problematic for us. Yes, uh, it's 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 uh, it's very nuanced, and it hurts to watch a lot of the time. So okay, so Benoit's going to face Triple H and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania for the title. So then it's like, oh, so what are they going to do about the SmackDown title? So on SmackDown that week, they make a special Royal Rumble, a special 15-man Royal Rumble. And by the way, it's a real fucking Royal Rumble. They, they don't usually mention it when they talk about all the Royal Rumbles, but they promoted it as the first time the Royal Rumble was going to be on SmackDown. So The SmackDown when, Rumble, yeah. The SmackDown Rumble. So I, I actually missed that episode at the time. I remember our friend Spoon calling me up and being like, dude, you do have no idea what happened. Like, you won't believe what happened on SmackDown this week. They had another Royal Rumble and fucking Eddie Guerrero won. At the time, Eddie Guerrero was feuding with Chavo. He wasn't anywhere near the main event. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait a second. He's going to fight Brock Lesnar at No Way Out for the title. It's possible that both Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero could be in world title matches at fucking WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden that we all have tickets for already? <laughs> our, hope, our, our hopes were low. I didn't have, ti I didn't have tickets, but it was going to be the very first uh, WrestleMania that I ever watched, you know, because yeah. I, I had just started watching wrestling about half a year prior, you know. I yeah, started yeah. watching in like I started watching like intermittently in March of 2003 and by the summer I was hooked. Word. Yeah, that's that's usually about how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> um 
But yeah, but 10 years previous, I had not gotten tickets for WrestleMania 10 and watched it on pay-per-view and my favorite wrestler, Bret Hart, won the title and that was a great moment, but I wasn't there for it. Now, 10 years later, I was gonna fucking be there for my basically two favorite wrestlers of the five or, or so years, five or 10 years previous, uh, finally getting their shot at WrestleMania, possibly. If Eddie Guerrero could beat fucking Brock Lesnar at No Way Out, where it was like, well, the story makes it seem like, yeah, like Eddie should win this match, but but Brock, he's going to beat Brock Lesnar. And it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite movies, 1953's Robot Monster, where Roman says, I must, but I cannot. Where on the map? Do must and can where on the graph do must and cannot meet. And that's what makes for a great fucking wrestling match, right? It's like it it it, it should go this way, but it can't go that way. What the fuck is gonna happen? And this sets the stage for Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero for the WWE title at No Way Out 2004. Cool. So um And I well, I guess Eddie Guerrero also is coming back from his fucking uh, being fired for being a drunk and a drug addict. And so this is also his redemption story leading into No Way Out. Vince has always loved a good redemption story. He likes giving people another chance. And if they uh, if they seize upon it, he'll go right with that. And Eddie Guerrero was a perfect candidate for that, having been, you know, fired and come back. And they leaned all the way into it, you know, in the promos beforehand and everything with, you know, Brock Lesnar calling Eddie Guerrero an addict and Eddie Guerrero saying, I'm addicted to the fans, you know, which I mean is a little pandering. But the, the whole he sold it so well because they did recognize, yeah, he was in some really dark places. That doesn't mean he can't come back and be the best. I'm addicted Brock's- to the fans and barbiturates. Well, yeah, exactly. Brock, Brock says, I hope you're addicted to losing. <laughs> and then during the match, when, it, when, when like Eddie fires up at the beginning, he's like, all right, let's get high, Holmes. <laughs> oh, Eddie. So they, they have this match. It's a little longer than I remember it being. Uh, it's a little it's longer long. than it's way longer than I remember that's being. ever happened in my life. Yeah, and um, they, they they do a good job of of building the crowd to the end. Um, but you see, like they do a thing where when they do the entrances, they, they they'll cut the music and they'll just let the crowd keep cheering, which they don't I, I, do. I remembered anymore. something about this pay per view too. Just yeah. now, I had just started ordering pay per views regularly that like December. My mom had started like letting me get them, and I remember I decided to skip this one, and then Eddie won the title. And then I never let us skip another one again. <laughs> like, for the next two years, it's like, no, we have to fucking get this pay-per-view, Mom. Or else I might fucking miss Eddie winning the goddamn title again! So, Evan, you know, I agree. Like, this match was a lot longer than I expected. It was a little too long. But you gotta understand, like, this is where you aren't a wrestling fan yet, right? Us being so fucking excited for this match and the possibility that Eddie could win the title, but thinking that he couldn't also possibly that he couldn't possibly do it. You know, we were on the edge of our seat for every single turn in momentum in this match. And there are probably too many of them looking back at it, but we did not care at the time. It's like, oh shit, Eddie's actually getting some damage on Brock Lesnar. He's actually, oh, he put him in the fucking STF. Holy shit. Oh, but oh no, Brock's killing him again. Oh no, no, 
no, no, no, but Eddie's getting, coming back again, you know? Like, how many? Was, we, it could have been, it could have gone on forever, and we would have been just as excited. How many casual wrestling fans do you know? Like, when I say a casual fan, I mean somebody who. So, wrestling fans are consuming three to 15 hours of new wrestling a week, right? In I mean, addition bad. to whatever you're watching. Um, and, and then wrestling non-fans are what we are, are, is society. It's everybody else who are watching non-wrestling. And then, like, outside of somebody who like enjoyed it as a child and like when they're flipping channels will like keep on it for a few minutes but then then, like they're not really how many people kind of follow wrestling in your experience i don't really know any of them i I used to know a lot of them and over the last 20 years that number has dwindled and dwindled and dwindled and it has not picked up at any point there used to be the guys who watched raw like, I remember being in college. There were the guys who would watch Raw, and the next morning, standing in the courtyard smoking cigarettes, we'd, we'd shoot the shit about Ooh, it. Ooh, cigarettes! You know? And, but I think, don't, I think don't Doc tell our moms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think Doc is right that those fans have largely dwindled. Those For fans thing, will still talk to you about early 2000s and late 90s WWF right. all day long, but it's been 15, 20 years since then. Because I, I wonder if the new, if the, if the real barrier here, like I used to wonder if, um, if you could be a wrestling fan without nostalgia, without having, and I do think you can. You can. But you, but it does seem like you cannot, like, cause that's like, I'm watching this match and like, it was a fine match. Like, I don't really have, like, I'm like busting balls about how long it is. And like, it certainly could have used some editing, but like, I, it, like, I didn't really have a problem with it or anything like that. And I also, no, I mean, what I would say is you can be a new fan without nostalgia. You not raw though. Raw just, just well, keeps no. <laughs> losing and losing viewers and it's average demographic just keeps getting higher and higher. AEW though gets new fans. Uh, yeah, we actually do, as wrestling fans, look a bit at the ratings and the demographics, and that's specifically what it is. The average age of the Raw viewer is over 50. The average yeah, age of the AEW viewer is under 35. It's as simple as that. The people watching Raw are have been watching Raw for 20 years, and most of the people who were watching Raw 20 years ago have just stopped. So, so I'm wondering if it's just the, if there's no way... That in order to be a wrestling fan, you have to be all the way in because there's no way to actually enjoy all these matches without all of that context. And there's no way to get all of that context without being all the way in. Well, you know, there's context and there's context. Like, you know, if you watch the big pay-per-views... You know, there, I, I do know people, you know, Michael Muhammad Knight, um, the, the author, I, I, I see his Facebook posts. And these days, he watches WrestleMania. That's pretty much it from Dota. Every year he watches WrestleMania. Uh, I think he watches some New Japan and stuff. But, you know, you could watch the occasional pay-per-view or like the big pay-per-views and basically know what's going on. 
enough to enjoy the matches because you kind of get the stories. There's also a ton of wrestling fans who don't watch a lot of wrestling but read about a lot of wrestling or listen to podcasts or just see shit on their social media feeds. Yeah, they won't watch Raw or SmackDown, but on. they'll watch Cultaholic listicles on YouTube all day. I, I guess it's kind of like how I stopped watching The Walking Dead uh, after season two, but I did continue reading the recaps up until like very recently. Just See, like, I stopped. What is happening? Here? I stopped watching it at around mid season seven, and then I kept reading the recaps, and I'm like, I don't need to watch this anymore. No, everyone I, mean, it's, I it's like bad. Everyone is dead. That spoiler. Yeah. That's that's The Walking Dead. Every episode. <laughs> spoiler past, like, season of The seven. Walking Dead. They're all dead. No, and, all and it's not a. They, they're not. I they, will say, the comic book stayed good until the end. They did. Yes. Oh, the comic book stayed. I, that's the problem. That became the problem for me. Is they veered so far off the comics and lost what the whole idea was supposed to be. You know. Yeah. Um. And you know, even I like I know what happens on Monday Night Raw every week. I don't fucking watch Monday Night Raw. No, I, I watch. I, I watch sports. I watch the main events at this point. I don't watch. I don't watch the the weekly. And yeah, I also know what's on it. That's why I don't watch it. Last night, I read the review of SmackDown from this week. I saw that the reviewer made a very good case for watching the final segment. So I went and found the video of the final segment, and it was good. With uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. I will say I know more people who have only been into wrestling for a few years that have no use for all of this context who are only fans of independent wrestling. This is a whole different kind of fandom. They see the community of going to your local show, meeting your friends who are the other fans, seeing the wrestlers in person where they're still like above you in a pleasing way because you're going to see them, but they're accessible. You see them wrestle, then you go to the table where they themselves, sweaty in their tights, are trying to sell you a t-shirt and you get to talk to them about the match. Um, and a lot of these new indie fans don't care for the WWE. And I, I'd like to, you know, I hear everything that you're saying, Evan, and everything that you're saying is valid, but I think it would what you're saying would be a lot more correct if instead of saying, can you be a fan of wrestling without this context, you say, can you be a fan of the WWE without this context? That is, that that is, that is an excellent very distinction. In the that 1980s, is... DC Comics crunched all of their various shit together because it had gotten out of control. There was too much context they had like 70 years of context or something so they're like we're cutting out about 80 percent of our stuff we're going to do a big storyline to explain it bunch of characters are just going to go away and it'll free us all up to just do what we want and it worked. And now they've done that about five times yeah in like well the last 10 years i mean has it worked every time no no but it worked very well the first time yeah. <laughs> and um, the, but the wwe can't do that because these are all real people and I want to just say, like, Evan, one thing that I think has hindered your development as a, a wrestling uh, appreciator. Uh, Not is fan. The fact, fans too far. Yeah. Is the fact that we haven't been able to take you to any live shows. <laughs> yeah, I'll, just, I'll give you COVID. that. I'll fucking give you that. Certainly. Oh, man. <laughs> to, tonight. It's fucked up, man. We're recording this on September 25th. Um, 25th or 26th? 25th. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's the 26th for the record. Um, I am, we're gonna, I'm gonna have, uh, one friend over tonight for the first time since Ben came and gave me the mic 
that I'm using right now, which we had at his house for, uh, for when we were March. recording in March. And like that was that was like March 18th, I think you came by. Wow. So yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's tough. So no, that is okay. true. That is true. And I have you know, and there there have been times in the past where I've thought like maybe we should switch this to a just indie wrestling podcast. And then you guys made the excellent point where it's like, no, nah, but you still need a you need more history, and b if we're gonna have guests on, they're gonna want to talk about their memories of wrestling growing up, which means WWE. It it is a difficult thing to parse. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather talk about some more esoteric stuff. But first of all. Um, that's kind of a smaller net to choose from. Like, everybody has all this context. Wrestling fans, for better or for worse, if we say, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio in the ladder match for custody of Dominic, they know what you're talking about. You, you saw that as a... And we're finally getting to this match at the end of today's episode. You saw that as a meme because now the promotional poster for that match is going around. Like, remember this actually happened? People are like, no. And then they Google it and they're like, oh, that... That actually happened. And it really is, and it really is the, I mean, like, when, when you, wrestling is often described as a soap opera, and it, like, is in structure largely, but you rarely see it really fucking hit. Two, yeah. 2005 like SmackDown was a telenovela. Like, straight fucking. Yeah. yeah. 2020 Raw is a telenovela now. Not a, not on a level like this, but yeah, the right, Thunderdome. Right, but like has the Mysterio telenovela is back. Oh, right. that's right, because Dominic's back, <laughs> right? Oh and my now God. they're doing the same fucking storyline with his daughter. <laughs> Seriously. Oh really? Where? But, but yes. who's 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 possibly the father of his? daughter? I don't know, but Rollins said something calling into question whether she was really his daughter. That would be re- that would be really I, funny if it, if like Seth Rollins was like, "I'm the real father of your daughter," <laughs> and then she came out and like had a skateboard, but like didn't ride it. Uh, all right. So wait, I, I do want to say some more things. About, a, about it's this a motorcycle. Match. Yes. Uh, about this first match. So first of all, I really like how um, uh, we we learn about Brock in this match. That no matter how injured and damaged he is, he can still fucking suplex you to hell. Like <laughs> they are mere flesh wounds. Brock yeah. just knows farm and suplex. Exactly. Brock just knows farm and suplex. Farm and suplex. I don't, I don't know if I said this before on this podcast, but Jim Cornette described having problems training Brock Lesnar because they tell him to do performative stuff like, okay, instead of just running across the ring and squishing the guy in the turnbuckle, take three or four steps in place. Like in the, in the cartoons, how they run in place before they go, to which Brock would just say, I didn't watch any cartoons when I was a kid. I just worked on the farm. They say he's from Minneapolis, which I mean, there are farms outside well, of Minneapolis. Maybe that's people, what that people means. in uh, people yeah. in rural areas will identify the biggest place that you have yeah, heard yeah, of, because yeah. sure. you don't want to be like I'm from Moose Balls, Arkansas. You don't know where yeah. that is. So at the end of this match, there's a ref bump. Uh, Brock gets the the belt, and he's going to hit Eddie with the belt, and then a moment that maybe the most the the moment that wrestling fans are most ambivalent about in the history of wrestling comes out come happens when Goldberg comes out (laughs) hits Brock Lesnar with the spear allowing Eddie Guerrero to win the match 
And it's like, thank you, Goldberg, for doing this thing. But also, fuck, it's fucking Goldberg. <laughs> right. Just the, se- no, the I'm second. Not, judging by the ingredients, I'm not surprised that you watched this match and was like, I don't even know if I can do this. It, 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 was, it was Goldberg. It immediate, Evan immediately just poops his I, pants like, whenever and, Goldberg I will shows say, It up. was not actually. And once again, it wasn't a. I did not hate this match. It was honestly just that I watched it and I was like, I have nothing to say. Like I do, like yeah. not even negative. Thing. Like Goldberg showed up, but then he did something I kind of liked, and I was like, oh, this seems like a decent use of Bill Goldberg. Yeah, I yeah. get like I'm not, and like that that was it was more just a a fear. I I have had a fear that I that my contributions to this are running stagnant because I'm my feelings about wrestling are kind of like stagnated like kind of like got to a certain point around the orange cassidy episode and have sort of been in that same place the whole time and so i was <laughs> this and then the next match with kurt angle i think i was just concerned about coming out of them with just nothing to say and no feelings at all you see that that, was my, you that puts a piece to this puzzle uh, together in my head and tell me if i'm on base or way off base with this you watch all that orange cassidy stuff he's the first wrestler that really like connected with you on kind of an emotional level you were like oh i get it now you watched his match with jericho on tv and you messaged us oh i get sports now so now you see all this wrestling and you're like this is good but i don't care about it and that's what being a wrestling fan is. You don't want to see stuff you don't care about. You want to be made to care about the thing instead of just coldly analyzing it. And yeah, that's, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. no, I, th- I, I, I think, I think you're right, and I think, I mean, and I think like part of that is, part of that is context. Part of that is, um, I just because I, I get with Eddie and Kurt, it was especially strange because I do. Well, I mean, you know, Orange is my favorite wrestler pretty much ever at this point. But like, like I, I really like Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. I have, I guess, I was not invested in one winning over the other. Yeah, like you weren't in the position that we were in, like hoping that maybe Eddie Guerrero could possibly win. Yeah, like you yeah, either I, already I, knew that he was probably going to win at least the Lesnar match, maybe. Um, but or yeah, and since it's in the past, like you know, you're not gonna. Quite I do have not that care for investment. things in the past. Um, <laughs> we all we right, all know right, that. Yeah. I do. I do know this. Yes. Um, so wait, let, let's just get to the end of this match. So I, I like a, a little bit of the mechanics here. Eddie Guerrero waits for the crowd to chant for him before he goes for the cover after the spear on Brock Lesnar. And that's like a really important detail that makes Eddie one of the greatest, is he waits. He waits for the crowd to do their thing, and then he covers Brock, and Brock kicks out. So then, like, they did a really good job of messing with our expectations, and they go, oh, oh shit, Eddie might actually win now. Oh no, he didn't. All right, that means he's definitely not going to win. Right, that was the high point of the match, that near fall. That near fall, exactly. And then Brock goes for the F5, Eddie reverses it, and DDTs him almost onto the belt. It was supposed to be on the belt. It was on the Taz, belt, Ben. That's why uh, Brock his, was his knocked arm, out. His arm hit the belt, and Taz is like, Eddie cheated! Um, and then, you know, he hits the frog <laughs> splash and he wins it. And it all builds into this character of Eddie Guerrero where he lies, cheats, and steals, which is something we should also talk about a bunch here, that, you know... You have the protagonist, you have the great hero who is explicitly telling you that he's dishonest, that he's cheating, and the crowd loves him for it. Um, And we've never had that before in the history of wrestling or after. It seems like when he becomes a heel, all he really does is just turn that dial just a little higher 
and just then be yeah. kind of a dick about it. Whereas yeah. before he was not so much of a dick about, but it's like, it's the exact, it's exactly the same character. He's just like more in your face, I guess. Yeah, the comment on the human nature of it, you know, we can say all we want. We like fair play. Truth is he was just doing it to somebody we liked instead of somebody we didn't. Yeah. And he was, and he, he was being like, his motivations were wrong. You know, with the whole Ray thing, as we'll, we'll talk about more, you know, he, he's, acting because he can't beat Ray and like, come on, fuck you, man. You know, <laughs> like, so you can't beat Ray. Like you're yeah. doing all this shit. Whereas before, you know, his motivation was this whole retribution story. This would not retribute redemption story. So um, on to his big match with Kurt Angle at WrestleMania yeah. 20. Now, one thing on top of all of, all of the story to this match is that this match was supposed to be a big main event style match at WrestleMania. It wasn't like, oh, this match is building to the next match. No, this was the match. This was, you know, Kurt Angle, the ridiculous wrestling prodigy of the previous five years versus Eddie Guerrero, the veteran that was at the peak of his game and finally won the title. And, uh, and they go at it. And Kurt Angle is a machine and he has those steely eyes and that neck that doesn't bend. And Eddie Guerrero is going to do everything he takes to, it takes to bend it. Speaking of the steely eyes, uh, the story leading into this match is great. The heel turn is one of my favorite ever because it, it was a really slow burn. Before even No Way Out, the night of the SmackDown Royal Rumble, Eddie Guerrero gets jumped in the locker room. And we don't know who it is. They make you think it was Chavo. Because he's been feuding later, with Chavo. Because he's been feuding with Chavo. Weeks later, Angle apparently gets jumped in the back. And then weeks after that, there's a main event match between Eddie and Chavo. The referee gets jumped and they make Angle the referee. And Angle and Eddie had been buddies, you know? So, like, I, it didn't occur to me what was going to happen, though in hindsight, it seems obvious that Angle was the ref. He counts one, two, and then he doesn't count three. Eddie looks at him. He looks back at him with this fucking maniacal serial killer grin. Yeah, uh, we, you all know the one. And then beats the living shit out of Eddie Guerrero. It was brilliantly executed, this whole thing. And then we get a great match, which, you know, I agree, Evan. You know, there's not a lot to say about it besides their technique was awesome. Subtle reversals that were really cool. And then the finish was brilliant and it was one of these great examples of eddie bending the rules or you know in the, in this case he did cheat a little bit but it was just you know him using his craftiness and ingenuity to defeat the guy who it was probably objectively speaking the better wrestler but you can't beat Kurt Angle just by out wrestling him. You can be up to as good of a wrestler as Kurt Angle, but you can't be better than him. That's his whole character. So you have to figure out another way to beat him. And Eddie did. Yeah, he keeps reversing the ankle locks, but, you know, eventually he's going to tap to that ankle lock. So when Kurt's out of the ring, he loosens his boot, he unties it. And so when Angle puts him in the ankle lock and yanks on it, the boot comes off, Angle is surprised, and then when he turns around, Eddie Guerrero rolls him up in a really nice, tight, small package and then hooks the bottom rope with his feet, which is the actual cheating of it, and gets the three count. One of my favorite finishes in wrestling history. Oh, no, it was great. The shoe coming off is a magical moment. And it also, it also really works with 
because what you want to do with Kurt Angle, because you're not just beating him in a wrestling match, but you also want to beat his morality, right? Because <laughs> Kurt yes. Angle's like, no, we're going to do things the right way, and we're going to follow the rules, and we're going to... And then, so, like, what you want to do is, like, cheat and then be like, see, Kurt, it doesn't fucking matter if you... Fu- what you believe doesn't matter what you believe isn't real mr america mr everything works out great as if you just work hard and do the right thing no fuck you and not i just might that. be projecting slightly no no yeah, you, not... you've pretty much got it <laughs> but the whole story is angle being like oh you know we don't want this drug addict to be our champion like you need a champion you can believe in ironic but- Right, right. Yeah, at the time, Eddie was recovered mostly from drugs. He's probably still on steroids. Um, but Kurt Angle was deep into his own drug problem. Um, oh, yeah. But the, but the thing was is that we all know that really Angle just wants to be the champion. That's what this is all really about. And that reflects in the later heel turn of Eddie, where Eddie's saying all this shit about how he's Dominic's real father and all, all that, whereas really... It's that he just can't beat Ray. And it's this, you know, self-deception that sometimes makes someone a heel. You know, they're not being honest with themselves about their own motivations. I just want to say one last thing about WrestleMania 20. Oh, yeah. It was fucking magical indeed. Everything about it is magical. This is, I think, the fifth match we've covered from it, which means it's the WrestleMania we've covered the most matches from, and we're not quite done yet. Um, Walking to WrestleMania... Uh, in on you know in right next to Penn Station in the middle of Manhattan, having the feelings that I was describing earlier, it felt impossible to me. It was like we're gonna get struck down by lightning. Like the whole place is gonna explode, literally. Like there's gonna be a like something is gonna prevent us from witnessing <laughs> this incredible event, uh, and it didn't. Instead, it was just as an amazing show as it should have been. It's kind of like. The, those three weeks in February where we really all thought that maybe Bernie Sanders was going to get the nomination. Yeah. yeah and it was like, was nice. oh, maybe just me. Oh, no. Oh, oh never no. mind. Oh, no. Oh, go- oh, oh, it just keeps going. Oh, oh God, we're all dying. Yeah. Um, now, the end of, at the same time of what I just said, the end of WrestleMania now has taken on this horrible, tragic, you know, dark cloud. What happens because at the of end? what happened to Eddie and Benoit. Oh. Well, what happens at the end, we're going to watch what happens at the end for the mini-sode for this week. So we'll get into okay. all of that a lot okay. more. But it is the most problematic, troubling, just deeply sad, painful thing for wrestling fans. Oh, dear. We'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah. Speaking of sad and painful stories, how about this ladder match? Like, okay, right. so I've said several times, and we've already talked about it uh, this episode. They decided to make SmackDown as much of a telenovela as they can. They put their top Latin stars on top, the biggest featured, you know, stories that they could between Eddie and Ray and Batista, and like, and they decided to go full on in with these storylines. And Eddie was, oh my God, his performances Dude. were incredible during this. Compared to everything we have watched so far, like, this blew everything out of the fucking water. Just in terms of, like, st- like, uh, like, uh, like, what you would want to see in... Like, if you're not just watching a pure wrestling match, right? If you're going to put story in there, 
fucking do this shit. Just go all I out. I don't I don't care about yeah. any of this like oh I think I'm the better wrestler so let us have a wrestling contest in which we see who's the better wrestler. No, I don't give a shit. I want your son cuz he's my <laughs> son. I'm going to hit you with a ladder. Yes. Until that's that's a fucking story. Don't waste my time. Is it true, Dad? <laughs> oh so, my God! Yeah, is it true? Okay. Uh, Dominic, Dominic will be it. the greatest wrestler who ever lived eventually, right? I mean, he there's yeah. how is it he was not at that be? moment at we know. Old, <laughs> at eight years old, eight he years was old. a better actor than. 95 percent of the roster <laughs> like, um, like i was watching it with laura and she was like wait he's this isn't real right like because he's yeah. just so good in his, his little sad faces that they pepper in throughout the whole thing are amazing oh my god it's, it's all so beautiful dominic does so well and i'm so happy he's out now and being a great wrestler and like uh, it tickles me so much because we were watching every week at this point we, we were we were hooked on this stuff yeah. It was. So, we all hated it, but we all loved it. Yeah, no, we thought it was in bad taste, but just the tastiest bad taste. <laughs> um, so it starts in in May of two thousand five. Eddie turns on Ray. They're attacked. Eddie can't beat Ray. He keeps losing to. He lost him to him at WrestleMania. We watched that match at WrestleMania twenty one. He can't beat Ray. They're a tag team for a little while. Eventually, Eddie turns on him and t- takes his mask. So in this. Promo on May 19th. <laughs> Eddie comes out with the mask, gets in the ring, scowls at the audience, picks, they're chanting, you know, Eddie sucks, Eddie sucks. He picks up the mic several times like he's going to say anything. And instead of saying anything, he just scowls more deeply. Yeah. Looks at the mask, finally throws it on the mat, stomps it out with his fucking alligator shoes. Snakeskin, alligator, whatever. Something whatever like it fucking was. Lizard boots. Yeah, yeah. F- boots from a fucking cold-blooded dead animal. Yeah. And then just leaves. And when he leaves, they boo even harder. And that's just all he fucking needed to do. It's the greatest heel promo in history, and he didn't say a damn word. Yeah, I there. I think I can only think of three wrestlers that have pulled off the silent promo ever. And it's Eddie Guerrero here as a heel. It's Chris Jericho as a babyface. One of the times he came back after one of his long absences, they play his music. He comes out. He goes, does his whole come on baby thing. He grabs the mic. He runs around the ring again and slaps hands. He gets in the ring. He waves his arms and everyone cheers. He gets back out of the ring and slaps more hands. And then he leaves to the <laughs> bafflement of the audience. Like, huh? He doesn't and he say did that thing. for a couple weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. Then he turned heel and had one of the best runs of his career. And the, um, the, the second uh, and the third one was almost silent. And it was Roman Reigns after he beat The Undertaker. He came out on Ron for like 10 straight minutes. The crowd just booed him, and he had the wherewithal not to say anything. He cut whatever planned promo he had down just to him saying at the end, it's my yard now. Then he dropped the mic, walked away. Ch- Ciampa did one on NXT, face, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Ciampa did one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which was pretty much just a ripoff of the Eddie one. Yeah, that's it why still I said pulled off. It was okay. Crowd. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the crowd went with it, so. The NXT crowd goes with everything. It's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So now. Wait, so Evan. Oh, no. yeah. What what said give us your feelings on this on this silent promo. Oh, I just while, while I was the, the thing that I said up top about um 
Eddie Eddie's acting skill existing in this weird area where it's like considerably better than the vast majority of wrestlers but is not it's it's still not act- he's just lying that's what it is he's just better at lying he's the best at lying is is uh, what it is kind of what it comes down to cuz it's like yeah i i it, it is not it is not a cinematic kind of acting at all it is not put- it re- he is he is he reminds me of like all right so i grew up i grew up in you know uh lower manhattan in the 80s 90s early 2000s and there were fucking con artists everywhere every like every day of most of my life up until i was like you know until i moved to queens when i was 20 uh it's just guys constantly come up to you like oh my god dude so i live over there on bleaker and mcdougal right and I fucking locked my keys and and just like in this endless stream of carnies basically yeah. trying sucker coming to sucker you out of your bullshit. This was uh, you know like after they got rid of three card Monty on the street and they had to fucking think right. of a new fucking deal. And like Eddie's just like that he's the best when because sometimes you would just tell those guys like fuck you and they would give you a really forlorn face like one last shot to see like oh can I convince you that I'm for real. <laughs> And that is what Eddie is doing in that moment where he is just, he is, he is selling you something and it's beautiful. Yeah. You believe he has those emotions like a hundred percent. And the thing, the funny thing about it is he's from all reports was just a really genuine person backstage. You know, he had that ability, but he mostly used it for good or, you know, at least for, for being a successful wrestler and not, you know, conning people out of their life savings. Um, so, so, and this, so this ability of Eddie to lie and how that plays into his character brings us to the July 25th, uh, July, uh, 28th, 2005 episode of SmackDown where Eddie has been saying he has a secret about Rey Mysterio. He's threatening to reveal it. Ray doesn't want him to. They have a match at the Great American Bash where Eddie says if he loses, he won't reveal the secret. Ray beats him. This is the the SmackDown after that. Ray comes out with Dominic like, oh, thank you, fans. Like, thankfully, we're, we're past this whole thing. Ray's never Eddie watched wrestling out. before, apparently. <laughs> right. Eddie comes out. He's like, I know I promised that I wouldn't reveal the secret if you beat me. But guess what? I lied. Uh, he lied. <laughs> he lied. He lied. Just the way he delivers that's such a simple line. It's such it's such high character words. I lied. It's like you you can't convince me now otherwise that there's a reason to not do it. I was going to do it anyway. Fully cog. I'm not deceiving you now. I lied about that. Isn't that great? So, <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere near your son. <laughs> oh man yeah because dominic i'm your real poppy (laughs) so they they just by the way put on sale the retro eddie guerrero i'm your poppy t-shirts on the wwe shop because they brought this up on raw this week or last week apparently seth rollins reminded uh ray mysterio you know the paternity test on dominic right (laughs) and we're like yes seth we know we we we've uh, every as I established earlier in this episode, everyone watching has been watching for decades because you're not picking up any new fans. 
And so then after Dominic's like, is it true, Dad? And like runs off. Katie, do, um, the, do the voice again. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do so, oh, is it true, Dad? Is it really true? <laughs> he's he's the most forlorn kid. Like I like that's I, I'm so you know they're lucky that he was born into a wrestling family and just wanted to be a wrestler because he could have gone and crushed child acting. He could right? have absolute like see he's so much better than so many kids you see in movies of so just uh, like. The truly Giant lost eyes. little boy. Yeah, like is it like, is it true? Like cartoonish sad eyes. And so then after he runs off, Eddie gets in the ring and like continues the story uh, in he, the he, nastiest fucking way. He gets a chair, he has them lower the lights, he opens this storybook he had printed apparently. <laughs> and then he he, he's such a heel even in the story, just the way he describes himself. Because he's trying way, to talk about his redemption story a little, but no, he's like, well, let me be nasty also. The way he describes the woman he impregnated. Oh, he's such a piece just, of shit about it. Oh, it's mean and the whole thing is so fucking horrible. Not an appropriate children's book. I, no, just, no. I, I, thought, <laughs> no. I, I feel like he was not aware of that because... Um, and the, and yeah, especially like he's he's doing this thing with his voice that is not only unpleasant to listen to, not only villainous, but I I feel it like it sounds when, like he yelled too much the night before and has a sore throat. And yeah. and and it starts doing this thing where I feel like it you I feel like when you hear somebody talk like that for a while, like your mirror neurons start firing and you're like you sort of feel in your own throat because he's doing something that like it doesn't quite sound like he's sick. It doesn't quite sound like he's fucked up his voice. He's like, it's a very controlled, very specific kind of like rasp slash whine. I don't know. I was like lost in the sound of it. It was fascinating. So I have a a personal story about this as well uh, and how dangerous sort of this kind of emotionally charged storyline can be. So that summer I was volunteering at the Bellevue psychiatric ward. Um, and oh, I know was... that place. Yeah. I, I, um, hey, I know the outpatient area of that place. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, the inpatient area was, uh, was a trip for sure. Um, it was, it was really interesting um, being there, but there was this one woman and, you know, she had seemed like, fairly stable she was a nice person uh i had talked to her for a while but she liked wrestling and they would let them watch tv you know they had network tv there in bellevue and she would watch smackdown and i came into work i came into the the ward the day after this promo aired and she had transformed in a very bad way she was angry. She was sullen. It looked like she had like regressed in her therapy and her treatment. And I was like, "Hey, uh, did did you watch SmackDown last night?" And she was like, "Yes, right. I did. It was horrible." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, damn. So you know. It's not just you know. It's not just kids who shouldn't be watching <laughs> wrestling. You know? Uh, uh. Yeah, the, oh, the way Eddie just manipulated his face between each word also, it, it hammered it all home. It made the emotion come through in ways that people don't really recognize unless you're looking for it. Like, all of that 
you know, feeds into stuff like like you were just saying, Ben, him just being like, up, oh, I'm the father probably wouldn't have done it. But the whole delivery, the whole delivery. Now, as for the match itself, SummerSlam 2005, the ladder match for the custody of Dominic. Oh, boy. Now, Eddie and Ray. Did you happen to see the, the promo earlier in the show with Eddie and Vicky? Because I, I noticed. No, I watched the video package before. Yeah, it was much earlier in the show. Oh, okay. I figured you might have missed it. It was like, oh, no, yeah. it was simple enough. Eddie's Eddie's in the back and Vicky comes up and says. I do love me some Vicky Guerrero. Ah, Vicky's and great. And she was really great in this promo too. And she, she comes up and basically says, look, everybody knows this is just about how you didn't beat Ray. And Eddie's like, no, no, it's because I love Dominic and we're going to take him home and be a family. And Vicky's like, no, Eddie, look, I love you. Everybody loves you. This is just about you not beating Ray. Just, just you don't have to do this. Get over it. And he's and Eddie, you know, dismisses her angrily, and she goes off in a huff. And like, it's just a minor promo, but I wanted to, I wanted to mention it. Were it, they, it explains how, what happens in the end a little bit as well, too. Were they? They were married in real life, or oh yes. yeah, yes, for yeah, many okay. years. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, she she literally is his widow. Wow, all right. I mean, she's long remarried. It's been yeah, like yeah. 15 years now, but but like that had- that is the woman he widowed when he died. So this is an absolute car wreck of a match. So yeah, yeah. here's here's my big here's the big question that I formed during this. I actually I very much enjoyed the match. Uh, oh yeah, I, yeah. It was a car wreck, but it was it was great to watch. Now, it was something that like yeah, if I had if we had watched this earlier in the podcast. And I would be like, man, it really, it really looks like they're hurting themselves in each other. That's that's very impressive. There, there have, there's, there's got to be five times where they actually fuck up, right? There's got to be like five like serious botches in this. What, yeah. There's one. There's one. The one where Ray has leaned the ladder, the one ladder against the other ladder, and uh, he w- runs up the ladder, and Eddie's standing. Uh, he, he runs up the ladder that's diagonal, and Eddie's standing on the the ladder that's standing straight up. And Ray back body drops Eddie onto the diagonal ladder and both ladders collapse and they both fall in a horrible looking way. It looked like Eddie, like Ray broke his back on the ladder. And my thinking during that is like, how did they expect that to go? Like how, like how would it have gone correctly? (laughs) There's specifically several times throughout the match where you see one of them fall from a great height onto one leg at kind of an angle. Oh, yeah, there's a couple of and rough bumps in there. I, I was astonished, honestly, at the end that nobody had a broken leg. Now, yeah, the, me the, too, actually. A lot of those, like, leg, dro- leg drops, a lot of those drops on their legs from the ladder did look pretty nasty, especially with Ray, who has such a history of leg injuries. Well, the one with Eddie towards the end is particularly significant because it was not supposed to happen. Because... There's this point in the match where Eddie sets the ladder up on top of Ray and climbs to the top and almost gets the briefcase. And there's a moment where you're like, well, why isn't he just taking the briefcase down? Like, what's supposed to happen here? And eventually Ray just like kind of pushes the ladder out of the way in a way that looks unrealistic. Eddie's dangling from the uh, the ring that the briefcase is on. And then Ray pulls him down and Eddie lands on his knee and it looks really bad. And then you see Eddie slamming the mat and looking very angry. But in the video on the WWE Network, you can't hear what he's saying because they muted it. But what he's saying in the original video in the, <laughs> is, Katie, you want to do this Where one? the fuck was Vicky? 
Yes, Vicky Guerrero was supposed to interfere at that moment in the match, but missed her cue. Completely. And Eddie is just screaming at the ref, where the fuck was Vicky? Yes, that is an actual tantrum he's throwing. Yeah, that's oh, one of the well, classic Pachamania moments. I don't know if it counts as a tantrum if you're like, if you just <laughs> fell from a major height and landed on your leg and probably reasonably think like, oh, I'm going to be out for six weeks now. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, even if it wasn't broken, I'm like, he wasn't getting up and doing anything for a little while, yeah. I would imagine. Well, what he, what he had to do, match, you know? what he had to do was the same spot again immediately right? because, because then they, they had to send out oh. Vicky. Because it was basically the finish. Yeah. Right. So Vicky comes out. So before this happens, Doc, say what you're going to say. Oh, I I was going to say, you know, I don't really blame Vicky. She's, it was very uh, new to the business. She She wasn't in. She was just his wife, you know? Yeah. She she was doing a real life guest spot. So she was probably standing in the back with a representative from the WWE, one of the agents whose job it was to be like Vicky now. And they probably just didn't identify that that was the ladder spot of all yeah. the ladder spots that they had to send Vicky out on. Um, so, so I'm sure somebody got yelled at by Vince for that. When Vicky does come out, she pushes Eddie off the ladder, holds him back while Ray climbs it and gets the briefcase to win. And then at the end, Ray hits Eddie with the briefcase and everybody's happy. But before all of that, there's the spot where Eddie's about to get the briefcase and Dominic comes in the ring yeah. and shakes the ladder and then Eddie menaces him. And I that was a wonderful moment <laughs> in the yeah. match as well. Oh yeah, Eddie Eddie just yelling at a child in front of Madison Square Garden like uh, it's hilarious. Or um where this one wasn't in the garden, was it? The the WrestleMania match was in the garden. Uh, um this one yeah. was I think this one is in, in San Francisco. That's right, the Cow Palace. At the Cow Palace, I think. So yeah, uh, other thoughts about the match, Evan? No, I, th- I mean, like, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, even with all the fuck ups and everything, I thought it was still like well paced, and they like, I guess there was a lot of like, they didn't really do anything that in, like cool necessarily, but they just, um, yeah, no, I thought that Ray like very convincingly like ran up and like beat the shit out of him after he was after Eddie was yelling at his child <laughs> just the like yes. displayed real like father rage there in that moment there was a second i also wondered there's a moment where Eddie uh landed on the second rope and then like waits there yeah. for a few seconds and then turns back and he lo- and Ray is just like on the ground like dead and I, I, in my head, I had, I was wondering. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there was maybe supposed to be a six one nine there or something. But it's Ray possible. was like, actually, like, oh, I'm concussed. I, I'm not fucking getting up right now. Like, they, they did the six one nine at one point with Eddie holding the ladder, and then yeah. he did the drop yeah. the dime with the ladder on top of him. There, there was some cool innovative stuff thrown in there for sure. Yeah, at the beginning of the match, as they were presenting the story, I thought it was interesting the way they presented it. They, they didn't say anything like like Ray was at all in the wrong um, because they, they, they acted as though it was an adoption without the papers. And Michael Cole, who almost never talks at all about himself. And Michael Cole is an interesting figure. He was a war correspondent in the Gulf War. He's seen action, you know. Um, and, but he says at the beginning of the match, you know, I have two boys and I adopted both of them. And I'm their father. I am I'm definitely their father. So I know what it's like uh, to like this. So I'm rooting for Rey Mysterio in this one. Come on. He's, he's Dominic's father. 
these are real insecurities that people have, right? Like adopted kids have insecurities about being adopted. Parents who maybe couldn't conceive for one reason or another have insecurities about that. And wrestling stories are really good when they play on people's insecurities and you get that visceral emotion out of it. And and that's, I think, why family stories work so well in wrestling. Because everyone can relate. And everyone has all sorts of fucking family baggage. Crazy thing to think about from the perspective of Dominic is what his life must have been like, like going to school when the storyline was happening and people being like, which, which one is your real father? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, I hope it didn't warp him, you know? Apparently he didn't try to keep the kayfabe with his that's with good. his friends. That's, that's he was good. Like, no, no, Ray is my. I'm 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 glad I'm glad that Ray was not that hardcore of in in the wrestling world. It's like no, you have to see like like if that if Dominic had been a heart, he would have been fucked. Oh yeah, like, yeah, completely. <laughs> I mean, 10, 20 years previous for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> a, a lot of uh, a lot of wrestlers would like they would kayfabe their kids. They would kayfabe their wives. You know, um, there's one story. I can't remember the names involved, but it was a territory story from the 70s or the early 80s where there was a guy who kayfabed his wife <clears throat> who didn't really believe him. But whatever. It was his it was her husband's business. Right. It was just say, oh, wrestling's real. She's so like, whatever. Bring home your paycheck. And uh, one night they had in town uh, a $10,000 battle royal where the winner would get $10,000. Oh, I know this story. Yeah, and like, but there wasn't $10,000 to be given to anybody. It was an act. And so uh, the guy wins the battle royal, gets a bag with a dollar sign on it or something, right? And he doesn't get (laughs) $10,000. And he drives home, and his wife is waiting for him on the porch with their gun. Like, hey, where's the money? You got the money. I saw you won $10,000. You're going to give some of it to me, right? And uh, he had to not go home and go to the promoter's house and be like, you have to come with me and tell my wife what wrestling is <laughs> or she's going to kill me. And, and they took care of it. <laughs> but that's what it used to be like in a lot of places. It was strictly you tell nobody ever what this is. Meanwhile, wrestling fans have always known what wrestling was. Anybody that tells you otherwise doesn't know the history of wrestling. The first book published about what wrestling was is called Fall guys it came out in the 30s so people know what wrestling is so don't try and bullshit your wife about it please (sighs) right so dominic didn't have to deal with that because ray mysterio is an intelligent guy (laughs) and there you go and wrestling had you know largely revealed itself by then well vince mcmahon specifically said to the press and everybody in the late 80s we're not really a sport to get around having to pay taxes as though they're a sport which i mean i think that vince mcmahon has done a lot of shady things to get around paying taxes this is not one of them he is not running a sport um all right let's uh let's start winding this down yeah sure um, any, do you guys have any final thoughts here? Well, Eddie Guerrero is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Oh, um, the amazing. saddest part about all this is a few months afterwards he'd be gone. And, um, you know, I'm just glad we had him when we did. We'll get into the last days of him in the premium episode, uh, complimenting this one. There's still a little bit more Eddie for us to show you, Evan, to get the full picture. But yeah, but this run again, I'm just going to reiterate how meaningful this was to us at the time it was happening. It's, you know, this and, you know, the the stories that I was watching when I was like eight years old 
are the wrestling stories that have meant the most to me. Uh, and like a little bit of Ring of Honor a couple of years after this too. Like Katie, you were you were still a new fan as you said when this happened. When you tuned in, Eddie was one of the top acts in wrestling. Could, could you give us a few words about your take on it? I just just Eddie was very one of my very early favorites and like he really just generally impacted me in a very large way. Like everything he did was gold, you know, there's not much more I can say about it. Like he's one of my favorites of all time. Like it's, it's crazy how he did all this stuff. And then six months after it, even four months after it, like what, what the last thing we watched was in July and he died in November. He He was gone forever. And it, it was devastating. I was, I was, this was 2005. I was 17 when he died. Yeah, through all of this, imagine he's doing all of this stuff, like with a heart that you know is about, is to, about give to give out. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, I feel like you know at the end of these, at the end of this series. Well, not quite the end. Subscribe to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ContestingWrestling. Five dollars a month, you get an extra episode every week. They're good. We have a lot of them by now. You'll get a lot of extra content. Go on. Um, yeah, I think I think um, the premium for the first Eddie episode was premium 50. Um, so we've got 50, 50 hours plus for you. Um, I really... I really like Eddie... I, yeah, I, I, the crisis that I had watching this about the creativity of the podcast really came from the fact that I was watching somebody who... I have come to really appreciate and think as a great wrestler and felt like I didn't have anything particularly original to say about him. Like I felt I, it almost like I had like a crisis, an artistic crisis about this podcast because I was worried. I in part couldn't really like do justice to Eddie a little bit or like, I didn't know. I, I don't know. I think he, this, this feels like, Maybe maybe we're in a season three now after this or something like that. Like Cassidy to now with season two, where I, Eddie was, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like I le- have learned a lot about what wrestling is supposed to be from watching Eddie Guerrero because it does. I I I feel like I could say, honestly, at least from everybody that we have watched so far, Eddie is not my favorite wrestler, but I do think Eddie is the best wrestler that we have covered in terms of what he could do in the context of wrestling. Yeah, And I mean, to Katie's point earlier, now you're going to have the context to really criticize wrestlers that are not as good as Eddie Guerrero as we watch bad shit, you know? I'm not looking forward to it. I won't lie to you. <laughs> or uh, stuff that's just I, not yes, quite as yeah. good. Yeah, But I am looking forward to doing more episodes of this podcast. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, check out the Patreon I mentioned a few minutes ago. Follow us on Twitter at ContestingW. Let us know your thoughts, your feelings, if there's anything you think we should cover. And um, and we're going to keep doing it whether Evan likes it or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trapped in a hellscape of my own creation. We'll work it out. Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. This has been Contesting Wrestling. We love you.